Lord, your word is a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. Lord, help us to understand how you desire for your word to be the foundation for our lives. Help us to learn how we can grow deeper in that foundation. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're in a series called God Connects, and it's a um, great resource from the Lutheran Hour Ministry, which is a ministry which has been doing radio broadcasts for a long time. Um, but the new um, you know, speaker for the Lutheran Hour, Greg Sells, actually a classmate of Pastor Allen and mine from the seminary, um, is putting out a lot of resources that are really very effective in the 21st century world. And one is called God Connects. And basically it's a series of about 13 different videos um, that are about six to eight minutes in length that go through all the main teachings um, in our Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. And so if... if for example, if you Google God Connects, it usually will go right to that site. You can see all the videos. You can, they're free. You can play them. There's also resources. Um, I want to encourage you to do that. But also, these are great resources for you to share with other people that are trying to figure out who God really is and what Christianity is all about. Today, the focus is going to be on why the Bible. You know, Martin Luther focused on three main things in his ministry. Faith alone, grace alone, scripture alone and so i want to encourage you to watch this um, um video and and just um and just understand even deeper how god's word is truly a special gift that he's given to us please watch the screen i know this may not be pretty but what you're looking at is the most important part of this new building the foundation if it's not solid and sure, it won't take long for this building to fall. That's how important the foundation is. A building can't stand without it. The foundation for any conversation about God is the Bible. You're probably familiar with it. It's the best-selling book of all time. It's got the Old Testament and the New Testament. There are 66 books in the Bible, sections written by eyewitnesses of the actual events or colleagues of those eyewitnesses. The Old Testament has 39 books that, that trace God's plan to fix the problem of sin. It begins with the creation of the world and goes up to the setting of the stage for the coming of Jesus Christ. The New Testament has 27 books, starting with the account of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, and finishing with the struggles and development of God's people, the church. But before we get too caught up in the facts and figures and assume that the Bible is the go-to authority for faith issues, we need to ask a big question. Why the Bible? In our world today, it's not a given that the Bible's an authority for life, let alone true. You know the issues that come up. Isn't the Bible just the book of fables? Didn't people just write the Bible to promote their religious and political agendas? Isn't the Bible an outdated book of cultural traditions and ideas? Wasn't the Bible written years after the alleged events as a mythical recounting of history? The list can go on and on, but you get the idea. And because of all these questions and the doubts they raise, you may find yourself wondering if the Bible is true or has any authority and reliability for our discussion about faith. That's why we need to take a closer look at the Bible. And the place to start is with the evidence of the ancient documents. The Bible is an ancient book, written by 40 different authors over 15 centuries. 
The books of the New Testament were written in the first century AD. The Bible was handed down to each generation through handwritten copies at first, with no printing presses, copy machines, or computers. Documents were reproduced carefully by hand. This is true for all ancient literature, even before the Greek philosophers to the Middle Ages. But what's unique about the Bible compared to other literature? Well, the Bible is the most well-documented piece of ancient literature in history by far. Think about it. If you've ever studied the philosopher Plato, your study is based on copies that were produced 1,300 years after Plato's life. There are only about seven copies. Complete philosophy classes are based on those few copies. Some ancient writers have many more copies of their writings in existence. There are well over 600 copies of Homer's Iliad, but the oldest are from 500 years after it was first written. Now that's not too bad, but what about the Bible? The New Testament alone has over 24,000 pieces of document evidence that testify to the accuracy of what was written. Some are complete books, others just fragments. Some of those documents date to just 30 years after the actual writing. The takeaway is this. No one could pull off deceptive and mythical stories when the eyewitnesses of the events were still around. And to have so many consistent copies of what was originally written proves accuracy beyond the shadow of a doubt. And then came the discovery of the Dead Sea Scrolls. These scrolls were found in the Middle East in the 1940s and 1950s. They contained copies of Old Testament books a thousand years older than any on hand at the time. Well, what did they show? The complete accuracy of the Old Testament over and over again, archaeologists have unearthed discoveries that validate the biblical accounts. In fact, archaeological discoveries have consistently reinforced what the Bible says. The fact that this is God's true word inspired by Him is summed up in the book of 2 Peter. No prophecy in Scripture ever came from the prophet's own understanding or from human initiative. No, those prophets were moved by the Holy Spirit and they spoke from God. The bottom line is this, that every word that is written in the Bible is exactly what God wanted. But that solid evidence for the truth of the Bible, it's just the beginning. What's most significant about the Bible is that it is unlike any other book. The Bible is God's Word. This is part of the beauty of how God works in your life. I mean, how many times have you thought, if, if only God would come down and talk to me? If he would just let me know what he's thinking and planning for my life. Well, in showing us Jesus, he has. And he's given you a set of notes about his work in your life. It's this book. It's called the Bible. And that's why we believe it to be true. The Bible has the power to change your life. The Bible says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And what's the main purpose of the Bible? Well, John 20 sums it up very well. It says it this way, These are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. The Bible speaks of two great doctrines, law and gospel. The law shows us the way that we stray from God, rebel against him, and fall short. We call that sin. 
It's the bold and straight-up truth that our imperfections and failures separate us from a perfect God who cannot accept sin. The law shows us that there is no way we can measure up in our sin, our failure, and our brokenness, we'll die. The law makes it very clear that we need healing. We need salvation. We need forgiveness. And that's where the second major theme of the Bible comes in. The Bible also speaks to us with the gospel. The word gospel means good news. It's the good news that God has freely given us exactly what we need. You know, the gospel tells us that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, he was sent into the world to keep the law perfectly in our place. And so even though Jesus was innocent, he received the punishment we deserve for our sin. In fact, Jesus was our substitute. He stepped in willingly because of his great love for us. And God unleashed all of his anger and wrath on his son as Jesus was put to death in our place on the cross. Our sins were literally taken away. They were forgiven. And when Jesus rose from the dead, he opened the door to eternal life for us all. So the messages of law and gospel are the major ways that the Bible speaks to us, but the predominant theme is the gospel, God's amazing love for you in Jesus Christ. It's the truth that you and I need. So what are you waiting for? To get started reading the Bible, begin with the Gospel of Luke. It's the third book of the New Testament. And watch God work wonders in your life through His Word. So again, this is called God Connects is the name of the, um, the series. You can find it online. Again, they're free um, videos that you can access, you can share. There's resources as well to go deeper into each of these topics. A number of years ago, um, I had the opportunity to be a part of the first um, building of a, a gym at a church I was at, and I was all excited about the gym being built, and, but it seemed like it was taking forever for there to be any progress. You know, they were digging, they were doing all kinds of stuff underground, and, and I finally, you know, after frustration, went to the, the general contractor and said, why is it taking so long? He says, well, the foundation work, it takes a long time to do that, and we have to make sure we do it right. And um, once the foundation work is, is done, then everything else goes up pretty quick. And it's okay, and sure enough, after you know, a number of months of the foundational work, um, the rest of the gym went up pretty quick. And what I realized is that the foundation of any building is very important. If it's not done right, that building is not going to be sturdy. The question is, what is the foundation of your life? What's the foundation of my life? What's the foundation that this world is, is established on? You see, God wants the foundation to be his word. You know, we are celebrating the 4th of July weekend, and we live in this amazing, amazing country. Why is our country the most powerful nation in the world? And I think a lot has to do with the foundation of our country. For those that put together the Declaration of Independence, there's a phrase that I think is really powerful in particular. It says, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. Among these are the life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. 
happy, joyful, and free. God wants us to have that, even in our country, is established for us to have freedom. And wherever you find freedom, you're going to find a lot of sacrifice. And so God has given human beings a lot of ability. And when people are free to use their abilities, great things happen. And this will happen in our country. Look at some of the nations out there where there's dictatorships or there's um, theocracies where people are manipulated, they're, they're controlled, they're living in fear. And basically a few people control the power and how limited people are. In our country there is incredible freedom. But it's also very important for us to realize that in addition to this freedom that was established at the very beginning of the foundation of our country, it was also built upon scriptural principles. You know, just the other day, you know, actually yesterday, I was watching this special on PBS about an um, officer by the name of Lafayette, um, a, a soldier from France. He was an officer that came over here, and he became very close to George Washington, and George Washington learned to really trust him. At one point, he sent Lafayette back to France to try to enlist more French reinforcements as well as a French Navy. Then he came back, and, and um, Washington trusted him to take the troops down south. And they encircled Yorktown, okay? And this was in, in 1781. And then what happened was they were concerned that the British were going to come in um, with ships and, and basically help Cornwallis to get away. But just at that time, guess what fleet showed up? the French fleet, and Cornwallis was trapped in Yorktown, and this led to the end um, of the war, a victory for our young fledgling country, and never realized how Lafayette had a lot to do with that final victory, and yet he wasn't even an American. He came from France, and in the end went back to France when it was all said and done. A lot of sacrifice, and the same is true with our faith. You know, Jesus sacrificed his life. And you read in the Bible all these different people doing amazing things to, to bring to us this, you know, what it means to be a true follower of Jesus Christ. And we're called upon to have a foundation in the Word of God. And there's a lot I can talk about with this vast topic of the Bible, but I want to focus on this whole concept of foundation. And if you would take out a Bible, just take a Bible out in front of you and turn to page 1506, 1506. To Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. 1506, Matthew 7, verse 24. And I love this story about foundation. And in God's word, we see so often that Jesus talks in, in story. It says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a, a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose. And the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall, because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. What does it say here? The wise person not only hears the word, but does what? Puts it into practice. Hearing God's word, putting into practice. We exist to lead people to follow Jesus. And the key for us in following Jesus is to put his word into practice. 
have a solid foundation. That's what he wants for each of our lives, a foundation that cannot be shaken, not the shifty sand, the shifty sand of this world that so often, you know, just leaves us empty. So I want you to think about this Bible in a couple ways, visually. A hole like this, it kind of looks like a manger. When Jesus was born, he was placed into a manger, the feeding trough of an animal, of animals. Also, I want you to think of the Bible as this way. It's like the mouth. It's the mouth of God. And every time we open up the Bible, God speaks to us. A lot of people think and wonder, does, does God speak to us today? And the answer is what? Yes, he speaks to us in his word. But now I want you to have a kind of a new way of looking at the um, Bible. You think of a cement truck pulling up to you, okay, up to an area where it's going to lay some cement, and down comes that, that trough thing, and, and the cement just kind of pours right down into the foundation. And so I want you to think about kind of like, like this, okay? And this is God wants to fill us. He wants our foundation to be filled with his word. And this is God's love letter to us. You know, this word is it's incredible. From the very beginning to the very end, it's focused on Jesus. Right away in, in Genesis chapter 3, we see a descendant of Eve is going to come and crush the head of Satan. And even after mankind fell into sin, that right away God says, I'm going to send a Savior. And he's going to bring victory over sin, over Satan, over death. In Deuteronomy chapter 18, it talks about a prophet greater than Moses who's going to come and fulfill God's word. And of course, that is going to be Jesus. In Psalm 119, 105, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path, that through this word we have direction through this life and a direction on to heaven, ultimately through Jesus Christ. In Isaiah and throughout the Old Testament, all this prophecy about Jesus, in 714 of Isaiah that a virgin is going to give birth to a son, and that was written more than 700 years before Jesus was even born. In Isaiah 9, 6, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. The government will be in his shoulders. He'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. We see right there in the Old Testament that we have a Trinitarian God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And then you jump to the New Testament, the Gospels. And right away in, in John chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The fulfillment of God's word is, is ultimately in Jesus Christ. And then John 1.14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. That Jesus is a walking Bible. The word in human form. And that's our calling to become more like Jesus. For that to happen, this word is meant to get off these pages and into our hearts and into our lives that we live out these words. And then we just recently went through the book, part of the book of Acts. In Acts 1.8, you receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You've been my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The power of the Holy Spirit, the power of God's word filling us. The Holy Spirit filled those early Christians and in Acts 2.42. It says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. They were addicted to being in God's word. They were addicted to worship, to prayer addicted to fellowship, and that early church grew in leaps and bounds because of the power of God's word. And as you go through the rest of the Bible, you see even what God's word says about itself. In 2 Timothy 3, 15, it says, all scripture is God-breathed. How much of scripture comes from God? All of it. 
We heard our epistle lesson for today that talks about that prophecy never had its origin in human beings, but the Holy Spirit inspired these 40 writers to write what they wrote, and it all comes together to fully agree because it's empowered, inspired by God himself. In Hebrews 4, it talks about your word, the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. That God's word penetrates deep into us. And finally, even at the end of, of the Bible, the last chapter in Revelation, it says, I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds anything to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes words away from this book, of prophecy, God will take away from him his share in the tree of life and in the holy city. What is John saying? Don't mess with what? God's word. Because this is truly God's word. And it's meant to be the foundation of our lives. Now, yesterday I went to a um, funeral service for a very dear friend I've known for many years. That her name is Evelyn Harmon. And um, her husband, Ron Harmon, was a principal at at Christ Church Lutheran for, for many years, over 40 years. And I worked with him for a while. And, and Evie was just a, a dear, dear person, just loved the Lord. And, and um, she just recently passed away. And I'm at the service, and I'm looking in the front row of the church. And there is um, Ron, her husband, and four of their kids. And in many rows behind, the generations of the family have grown over, over the years. And I'm thinking, okay, there's one son who now is a, was a Lutheran school principal, Another son who was a Lutheran teacher and a trained director of Christian education. Another son who is a pastor um, in Yuma and our, one of our vice presidents for our district in which we um, are a part of. Um, a daughter who's um, been very involved in the church, her, her husband Dave, a good friend of mine who has, was an elder for, for many years. And then her husband who was a principal for nearly 50 years. Amazing family. I'm thinking, what's the secret for that family to be so amazing? Well, a son who's a pastor got up and read the scripture. It was on the back of the card with their picture. And the scripture comes from Ephesians 3. And he was saying that every day his mom would say this scripture as a prayer over her family. And I want you to listen carefully to his words. When I think of the wisdom and scope of his plan, I fall down on my knees and pray to the Father of all of the great family of God, some of them already in heaven and some down here on earth, that out of his glorious unlimited resources, he will give you the mighty inner strengthening of his Holy Spirit. And I pray that Christ will be more and more at home in your hearts, living within you as you trust him. May your roots go down deep into the soil of God's marvelous love, and may you be able to feel and understand as all God's children should, how long, how wide, how deep, and how high his love really is, and to experience his love for yourselves, though it is so great that she will never see the end of it or fully know or understand it, so that at last you will be filled up with God himself. God answered her prayer with her family. By the power of God's word. 
This is God's love letter to you. He wants to fill your life up with love. He wants you to have a fantastic and amazing life. And so often the only one who stops that from happening is who? Ourselves. Because we get so wrapped up in this world. And we let so much of the garbage of this world fill us up and become our foundation. It doesn't work very good, does it? And so I want to encourage us and challenge us. And, and God's word is so clear. Even you know, 2 Peter you know, 3, 18, but grow in the grace and knowledge of your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To take more time to, to let God's word become that foundation. To pick it up and to, to read it. In this position, it fills us up. And, and I want to encourage us in our individual lives to make a plan and how we're going to spend time and reading it and, and meditating on it and to be in Bible study. I know it's the middle of summer right now, but I want us to think about this because the strength of our congregation and doing what God calls upon us to do will be in direct proportion to how much we let this become the foundation of our lives. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you have fulfilled your word and your word's about love. Because of your word, because of what you've done in fulfilling that word, we have eternal life. Our future is fantastic. But Lord, let this foundation fill us to overflowing, that we can be more like Evie. That we can be people that let your word pour through us, out to those around us through what we say and through what we do. Help us to never take your word for granted. We pray this in your name. Amen.